0: Are listening to Meet and Write, a podcast that dives into liturgical worship and how communion really begins after church. Well, welcome to another episode of the Meet and Write podcast. We are honored again to have His Grace Bishop Yusuf with us. So thank you, Sayedna, for taking the time to be with us again. Thank
1: you, Father Nassani. My pleasure.
0: Saedna, um we want to talk about a, a churchy word that we hear a lot, but maybe we have one definition of it. The word is fellowship. For many of us, we think of fellowship just involving food or coffee, or just at a superficial level. One definition that we see for fellowship online is this. A friendly association, especially with people who share one's interests. So maybe that's a, a, a superficial definition that we have when we think of the word fellowship. But I would, I would love for your Grace, to talk to us about what is liturgical fellowship, and, and what does that
1: mean? St. John, uh, the theologian, In his first letter, chapter 1, he used the word fellowship more than one time. And he explained that the purpose of spreading the gospel of salvation, the good news of salvation, is not only that we are forgiven and we are saved, but actually to take us to another uh, goal, This ultimate goal is to have fellowship, fellowship with the Holy Trinity, fellowship with the uh, cloud of witnesses around us and fellowship with one another. So fellowship in ecclesiastical terminology means fellowship with the Holy Trinity, with the cloud of the witnesses and also with the community of the believers. And how is this possible? We are the body of Christ and Christ the head. So through this unity with Christ, we'll be one with Christ. The body is both the cloud of witnesses and the community of believers on earth. Mm. And the head is Christ. In Christ, we will be children of God the Father because he is the only begotten son. And in Christ, we'll have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, because the Son, the Father, and the Holy Spirit are one. Mm-hmm. So, the actualization in this fellowship through our union with the Head, our Lord Jesus Christ. And our union is real only through the Divine Liturgy. Mm-hmm. That's why, if one to actualize this uh, fellowship, cannot be actualized outside the liturgy. And from here, the word liturgical fellowship is used. St. John said, I'm writing this to you, that you have fellowship with us. But our fellowship is with the Father and the Son. And we are writing this to you that your joy may be full. So through this actually fellowship, we'll have this joy and this peace that surpasses understanding so it transcended the word friendly association especially with people who shared one's interest
0: and it's not just in theory for us to be one with Christ it's a reality it it's through his his flesh through through his body and blood so it's not just a, a, a nice thing to meditate or just something spiritual but it's it's a reality
1: yes yes in the divine liturgy it is reality because we eat of his body drink of his blood abide in him and he abides in us.
0: Something your grace mentioned yesterday, um, when you were preaching to us at, at at the aid at St. Mark Church is to reflect the reality of the oneness of that fellowship. That the the elements that that come to the to the liturgy, the elements that come to Christ, is 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 bread and wine, but even the process of how the bread is brought to church is showing the oneness of the body of Christ. So I'd love your grace. Uh, to kind of elaborate on that and for you to share a wonderful story you shared with us um, yesterday of your childhood, of, of your the time in the summer with your grandparents about that.
1: Yes. In my childhood, I used actually to spend the summer with my grandparents in Upper Egypt. And on Saturday of every week, I noticed that the Arabni, Arabni is the one who uh, prepared the urban, the, the, the bread uh, for the liturgy. In Egypt, one person has this responsibility, and we call him an arabni mm. so I used to th- uh, I, I saw that the Arabni moves from one house to another house to another house to collect flour some flour from each house and I asked the question as a child why he is going from one house to another house why actually this week he takes all the flour that he needs from house a next week from house B, third week from house C, and so on. So he saved himself traveling from uh, one house to another house. And the answer actually was very, very beautiful. And I still remember it until now. I was told by taking flour from each house, then actually the bread that will be offered and will become the body of Christ, each house is represented in this bread Mm -hmm. how beautiful when i feel that my offering you know uh, and i am participating in this one bread so when saint paul said in first corinthians chapter 10 verse 16 and 17 the cup of blessing which we bless is it not the communion of the blood of christ the bread which you break is it not the communion of the body of Christ, for we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. So uh, taking the flour from different uh, houses and preparing the urban from all all this flour, uh, it has a very, very beautiful symbolism, how we, though many, but at the end, we are one bread that will be the body of Christ.
0: It's hard for any of us to relate to that story because maybe for many of us in our churches, we don't even know who makes the Orban, and it's just there when we get to church. But that practice is something so beautiful. I can't remember uh, where I read this, but they were saying, liturgy begins from the second we wake up. Liturgy begins from the second we wake up. So just th- that story, that, that's now, that's a reality now. I, I'm, I'm sure they still do the same, Of, of, of that the liturgy begins like even before we get to church and that oneness begins, even before we arrive in, in the building of church. So I I love I love that story. Your grace shared with us looking at the Covenant Thursday, looking at the mystical supper that Christ had with his disciples, looking at it into seven segments from what we see in the gospels, and how that is still a reality and crystal clear. From what occurred two thousand years ago, we see that those seven segments occurring today still practicing in our ancient faith. I would love for your grace to share what are those seven segments and what does that look like today.
1: If we study what happened on Covenant Thursday, we will find the Lord actually went through seven steps or seven segments. He took bread. Number one, number two, he gave thanks. Number three, he blessed it. Number four he sanctified it number five he broke it number six he gave it number seven they praised and went to mount olives so these are the seven steps and in the structure of the church today actually if you see the church the liturgy it's structured in the same order he took bread that is the offering of the lamb, when Abuna choose the bread, when the deacons or the other priests um, offer the, 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 the bread and the wine, and Abuna choose the bread and the wine. That's he took bread. After this, we pray thanksgiving prayer. He gave thanks. Uh, then actually, the institution narrative is he blessed it. Then the epiclesis, the descent of the Holy Spirit, that's he sanctified it then he broke it That is is a part at the end of the divine liturgy we call it fraction then uh, he gave it That's a communion and they praised that's actually what we do during communion uh, psalm 150 and all the communal hymns hmm. are praising god yeah. praise god in all his sins. yes there are some additions to it, but that is the structure but for example uh, we read readings from uh, the liturgy of the catacombs and also there are litanies. These were added but did not actually change the structure and the order that the Lord used on uh, Covenant Thursday. And some people, although there is disagreement about when the Lord met the two disciples uh, going to Emmaus on the day of his resurrection, some people th- say it's communion, some people say it's not communion. So I'm not going to go into this debate. Yeah. But we need to actually to highlight two things that the Lord, from Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them things pertaining to him. Then actually, their eyes were opened during the breaking of the bread. So, it, it, Explaining from Moses and the prophet, this what made the church add the liturgy of the catacombs to the divine liturgy, as the Lord, assuming this is a liturgy, this is a communion when you mm-hmm. broke the bread on the day of resurrection. So he actually read with them or explained to them from Moses and all the prophets from the scripture. Yeah. That's why now we have reading from the scripture in the divine liturgy and the opening of the eyes during the breaking of the, break, uh, the bread is the true knowledge of Christ and the Holy Trinity will be in the liturgy, not outside the liturgy. In this fellowship, we will have true knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Father and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, thank
0: you, that. Okay, we can say true fellowship is not just at a superficial level and just having dinner together, having coffee together. We can say fellowship transcends all of that and is, is 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 centered at the table of the lord is centered in in liturgical in in celebrating the divine liturgy Okay, what does that look like for me now if i'm going to church this sunday? W- w- how do I make that a reality for my life? I say now I'd love for you to start in, in 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 talking to us about What does it mean for us to participate in in the oblations kind of going back to, to the bread and wine? How do we participate in that?
1: Practically, it's difficult now for the people who prepare urban to go from one house to another house to another house. But I think the simplest way, when we come to the church to worship on Sunday, we should not come empty-handed. Even if I pay my tithe once a month, or I pay it electronically, or I send a check, or, or whatever, that's fine. But when I come to the church, I can bring something uh, as I can afford. It can be 50 cents, it can be one dollar, it can be more, it can be less, whatever. And St. Paul actually in First Corinthians chapter 16, he said on first week, on the first day of the week, which means on Sunday when you come to worship, let each one of you, each one, the father, the, wife, the mother, the children, each one comes to the church, and bring what he can afford so uh, it would be a good practice for the whole family on sunday they come and bring their offering Uh, in the old testament the lord said don't appear before me empty-handed and also pope gabriel ii said don't come to the church empty-handed emphasizing what the lord said in the old testament and when i bring my offering to the church then when actually abuna prays and say remember O lord those who have offered to you today these gifts i'll be included in this litany i'll be included in this prayer and also i will be represented in the body in the bread and the wine that's offered today to be the body and the blood of our lord jesus christ Mm,
0: i love that and and it's even a reminder obviously we hear that multiple times throughout the service but even when the deacon is telling us to offer like obviously in the middle of liturgy we're not going to you know sit there and pass money there but even in 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 materialism financially and even in in our energy our voice of being fully engaged in worship we can offer that as well as being part of the litany
1: Actually, since you mentioned this uh, response, offer, 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 an order, uh, I know in the Catholic Church, during the time of this response, people actually give their offering during this time. Mm. That's why the deacon says in order means without making chaos uh, and disturbing the order in the church. And then they do procession, and take all this offering and put it on the altar on the southern side mm-hmm. on the south uh, so when abuna says receive them upon your holy rational altar in heaven it is actually symbolized by putting the offering you know on the altar and offer to god mm-hmm. uh, i am not sure yeah i did not study the origin of this response but I'm sure since the deacon says offer, offer, offer in order, uh, and after they say, stand up in fear and trembling and look toward the East. This means sometime the people used actually to offer during this time. Yeah. And after they finish this, then he says, uh, stand uh, up in fear and look toward the East. So the liturgy of the believers can start after the departure of the catechumens from the church mm.
0: All right, so, you know, I would like to talk about a second thing that we can do to to make liturgical fellowship a reality, which is the liturgy of the word or in the readings. Uh, maybe for a lot of us we kind of are n- maybe not paying attention or come after the readings or you know we're, our focus is just communion at the end, but but I'd love your grace to share with us what's the power and what's, what's the importance
1: of the readings? Can I say I have fellowship with you and we have uh, different minds? I'm not speaking about disagreement because disagreement can complement one another. Mm. But different minds is totally different. Uh, They are contradicting, not complementing. Definitely not. So an essential element of fellowship that we have minds and thoughts that complement one another and connect with one another so one purpose of the readings when we read uh, we hear the reading is actually to make us all of us the same mind to have one mind the mind of christ so it's not anymore my opinion about this uh, topic or your opinion about this issue no it is what christ is saying what the holy spirit inspired us through the scripture that actually our law, that's actually our canon, that's what's gonna lead lead us in our life. Yeah. So the purpose actually of the reading is to all of us who have one mind mm. and one heart. Uh, and uh, this actually will be will happen through the reading. Another thing we read actually the Lord said you are clean because of the words that I've spoken to you. So the word of God, anointed by the Holy Spirit, has power of cleansing. So when I pay attention to the reading, the reading also, the word of God will cleanse me, it is sharper than two-edged sword. That's why to actualize my fellowship in the liturgy I should come early enough to attend and to hear all the reading and also to follow the reading and to uh, digest and understand the depth of the reading of this day. Then actually this fellowship will not be just a word we say it, but all of us, we will leave the church on that day having the same mind, the same understanding, the same law, the same canon, the same commandment the same heart toward one another absolutely
0: if i may say it, and just to all the deacons who are listening please 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 be clear in, in when you're reading the, the readings because you, you are delivering eternal truth to the people so if we're kind of mumbling or maybe we don't even understand ourselves, how do we expect our people to understand so maybe just something for our deacons on that.
1: in the himaya chapter eight and usually when i speak to the deacons the readers about how they should read, I go to Nehemiah chapter eight. Because when the Levites read from the law, there is a very important word, you find it in Nehemiah eight. They read and made the sense. Mm. Making the sense. So, for example, how to I read a question is different how to I read an answer. How I read with exclamation mark. Making the sense is very important. But as your reverence just said, some people just read, read, read. Uh, and and sometimes the deacon doesn't understand what he is reading. That's why he cannot make the sense. Mm. And, and thank God now the readings are available uh, on, on many application on the internet. I, I think it would be good if they practice how to read the night before they come to the church. Absolutely. So when they read, they read out loud. They make the sense. So people, can understand the divine truth. Absolutely. All right, okay. Thank you, Sen. Another thing is is
0: um, that we notice when it comes to focusing on liturgical fellowship is the how reconciliation is, a, is something. Obviously, we want in the in the world. In the, when we see brokenness in the world, we want reconciliation. But we also see this reality in in the divine liturgy. So, how does What's the connection between reconciliation and us having liturgical fellowship? What's the connection between these two points?
1: I like how we are taking the liturgy in order. We start with the offering of the Lamb, then we start with the uh, liturgy of the catacombs, the reading, then we are speaking about the reconciliation. Because every step actually helps in our fellowship. Uh, again, if there is contention between you and I, Can I say there is fellowship? No. And actually, God will not be present if there is contention. God is author of peace. Uh, There is one canon of the apostles in the discalia. If two people have contention with each other and have not been reconciled, do not call them even believers until they uh, reconcile. That's why it is an essential element in the Divine Liturgy to say greet one another with a holy kiss. Uh, When we greet one another, this means Christ will be in the middle. And Christ, he told us, if you offer your offering on the altar. And remember there is something between you and your brother, leave your offering, go Reconcile first, and then come and bring your offering. Mm. Uh, Some people, they they say, I am reconciled with everybody in this local church. But do I have to be reconciled with everybody else in my life? Definitely yes. Uh, Because some people try to (laughs) outsmart God, for example, if I have contention with somebody goes to a different church I'm not gonna go to this church but I will go to another church to avoid him and then I'll say you know I I can greet everybody in this church no greet one another with a holy kiss means the ability to greet every single person in my life Mm -hmm. whether in this church or in a different church or a different country even to have peace yes I understand that I can pursue reconciliation with somebody, and this person reject my reconciliation. As God want to reconcile us everybody, but not everybody want to be reconciled with God. But at least from my side, I am ready to reconcile with every single person in my life. Mm-hmm. This actually will actualize our fellowship with one another.
0: And this is a reminder. And correct me if I'm wrong, saying that that we cannot look at liturgy just being. Uh, you know 8 to 11 or whatever it's not from this time block that reconciliation is continuous and even the theme of this podcast is liturgy continues after sunday that if it's it's truly the work of the people then it's not like your grace is saying we can't outsmart god we can't put god in a box and say oh this is the time i reconcile but after i greet one another after i take communion i'm good to go um no no of course not yes so it's, it's a vital, it's essential. I love that quote from, from Canon of the Apostles. Like, mm-hmm. if I cannot re- reconcile, they cannot even be an unbeliever. And obviously mm-hmm. this connects back to the Lord's prayer. Forgive my trespasses, Lord, just as I forgive those. So there has to be the connection between horizontal relationships and vertical. So obviously this is a, a vital part of us having liturgical fellowship. Your Grace, something that we hear in, in, in the Liturgy of St. Basil is the mystery of godliness. The mystery of godliness. What does that mean?
1: The mystery of godliness actually is mentioned also in the scripture in the letter of Saint Paul to uh, Timothy. When he said great is the mystery of godliness, God appeared in the flesh. Godliness in Greek means metephthavis. Metephthavis can be translated godliness or doctrine or religion. So how can we understand the verse first and then I will come to San the liturgy. Sure. The verse is saying great is this mystery, great is this doctrine, great is this religion, this dogma that God became man, God appeared in the flesh. Because there is no way to save humanity without the incarnation of the Son of God. And how we understand God became man It's mystery. It's the greatest mystery. And it's above and beyond our understanding. It's the mystery of the incarnation. By why God became man? Saint Asanasius in his book, Incarnation of the Logos, said, God became son of man in order to make man son of God. So he became man in order to make us children of God, to make us godly, belonging to God his children. And it's interesting that this one word can be translated religion or doctrine in the same way can be translated godliness. So the mystery of godliness is the mystery of incarnation, is the mystery of the sound doctrine. Mm. That's why when we say in the institution narrative in the beginning I want to start the narrative by saying he instituted to us this great mystery of godliness. So communion or the Eucharist is the mystery of godliness because we confess that God became man and now we have him here on the altar with us. Behold, Emmanuel, our God, is with us today on this table as we say in the Fraction for St. Mary and the angels. Mm -hmm. So That is the mystery of godliness, the mystery of incarnation. But how this uh, related to the fellowship? If you have your own belief system and I have my own belief system and they are contradicting to each other, we don't have fellowship. And I cannot have fellowship with God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit if I don't follow the sound doctrine. Mm That's why St. Paul in his letter to Galatians, he said, even if angels came to you with a different teaching, let him be accursed. So we can say the doctrine of incarnation is the doctrine of godliness. And we cannot have fellowship with with one another unless we have the same faith, the same doctrine the sound doctrines that are revealed by God to us. Uh, Some people, they say, just let us put aside the theological differences and live with each other in a spirit of love. So you can, you have your own belief system, I have my own belief system. Uh, You can have your own religion even, and I have my different religion, so Somebody believes that Christ is God. Somebody believes Christ is a prophet. But through the spirit of love, we we can have fellowship with one another. That's deception. That's deception. You cannot do this. In order to have fellowship, you need actually to have the same faith, the same doctrine that is revealed by the Holy Trinity to us.
0: And I love how that Greek word has two very diverse definitions because I can say, okay, you can have your own version of God. I have my own version of God. We can live a godly life or have a mystery of godliness because now God is ethereal or just so theoretic, theoretical. But now, as your grace is saying, it, it has two diverse d- meanings, but it's the reality, the, the, the dogma is the incarnation. That is the, that is the mystery of godliness. Well, thank you so much, Sedna, for, for shedding light on a phrase that we hear a lot, mystery of godliness, and for shedding light on many points as far as how we can have fellowship in the highest sense of what that is liturgically in the context of the church. Thank you, Sedna, and we're looking forward to uh, another episode for part two of The Remaining Points. You have been listening to Meet and Write. For more episodes and resources, make sure to check out com.